Hello and welcome to this, the first ever Darlow Fans Radio podcast being broadcast here from the Forum Music Centre in Darlington. I'm Stuart Armstrong, one of your long-suffering and usually cold commentary team, and I'm your host, kind of, for this inaugural podcast. I'm joined here by some of Darlington Football Club's loyalist and most long-suffering fans to discuss all things Darlow. First up... I'm joined by fellow DFR commentator and volunteer extraordinaire Michael Price. By day, Michael works as a back-end developer, which I'm assured means something to do with website design. But on an evening and weekends, Mike's often busy with fundraising platforms and the Darlow Uncovered website. Evening, Michael. Evening, Stu, and thanks for the great introduction. Uh, you got the uh, job description spot on that. Um, yeah, websites by day, websites by night, um, or podcasts. As uh, tonight, so you know, I needed a new hobby. I've no idea what a back-end developer does either, but I think I'll perhaps save that question for for another time. Uh, we're also joined here by Kev Luff, producer of I would say non-league football's absolute finest YouTube offering, the best that uh, non-league football has to offer. I think Kev's been involved as a fan and supporting the club in many guises for ages now, and continues, I think, to hold the club record, probably a league record, in fact for most ladders climb to watch Darlington players. He manages to get up on some of the wobbliest gantries known to man to bring us all the highlights of Darlow's best and, and usually worst moments. Evening, Kev. Evening. And finally, we have with us this evening the Northern Echoes Darlington correspondent, Craig Stoddart. Craig is a regular friend of Darlow Fans Radio and we often collaborate on important issues such as his favourite, are there any biscuits, particularly bourbons usually, uh, where's the toilets, all important questions like that and, and sometimes even during commentaries avail- he's available to help us out with the critical statistics that we need to keep the broadcast going such as reminding us what the score is when we've forgotten which happens m- more often than, than you'd want to know. <laughs> Evening Craig. Evening Stu. Have you brought any biscuits? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, I for sure haven't brought any, no. I thought you were bringing them. <laughs> so, gentlemen, thanks for being with us tonight. It's nice in here, isn't it, in the forum? First time I've Certainly been. Certainly is. Very professional in here. It's very, it's a very good facility, isn't it? I think we can be very... Uh, I think we appreciate this place. It's, it's ideal for us, isn't it? it it's, it's probably a bit too posh for us, to be honest, in this. We've got a proper recording studio in here, which <laughs> for people like us who normally sit on that balcony in the rain, it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit over much. Yeah, it's... Um I'm going to want this for every game from now on. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got two radiators as well. <laughs> Is that enough for Craig? Yeah. <laughs> right, so during this month's podcast, what we're going to do, well, we're going to be talking about what's proven, I think, to be an eventful season so far. We've got a feature-length exclusive interview with Tommy Wright and Alan White. We'll be giving you our... Darlow Fans Radio Impact 11, which is made up of the players who we think have had the biggest impact on us during DFR's four years. And we'll be talking about everything else that comes up regarding Darlington Football Club. But before we get started, uh, we should mention that Michael Cansfield was going to be with us tonight and isn't able to be, unfortunately. And nor is our co-founder of DFR, Andrew Simpson. Andy, Andy texted us earlier to say that he's, he's, and I'll almost read the text here, it goes something like this. He's, he's really sorry, but he can't join us tonight as he'd forgotten that he's babysitting as his fiance has got tickets to go and see Steps tonight, and he'd forgotten. So I can't beat that. Can you beat that? I can think of a couple of occasions where I've missed uh, important moments in Darlow history, but uh, first things first, 
Who doesn't take their kid to a Steps concert? <laughs> That's good. Um, and second of all, um, you know, it's a real tragedy that he's not here. Oh, because I know no. everyone was expecting that, so I'm I'm not going to disappoint. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Everyone's probably turned off at that point, I think. I, I didn't want to scare all the listeners off on the first go. Um, it was the last thing on my mind. Oh, awful, awful. That's it. Sorry, no more, promise. So you said that you'd had a couple of experiences where you'd missed Darlow matches for uh, unimportant things or important things. What have you got in your locker? Um, well, I think there's one that uh, everyone probably knows about. It's uh, it's it's been uh, something I've taken a fair my, my fair share of stick for over the last few years, and uh, was documented in uh, in the dying seconds. I, I did have a chat with Ray about it, and it ended up being in the book. Um, it was of course the FA Trophy final at Wembley when um, I made the mistake of booking train tickets that were a little too close to the 90-minute final whistle. <laughs> I of course spent the whole day praying the game wouldn't go to extra time, and then. Um, well, a certain Darlow manager, as it happens, around the 90th minute, dives onto the ball, gets his head on it. I'm thinking this is the moment. This is the moment that the ball goes a yard wide. And uh, fortunately, um, the missus, my brother and I... Um, so how long did you stay we? for? When did you go? What point? How, how, how far did you dare go? I was still sat in my seat as the final whistle blew and I knew that extra time was coming and I looked up to talk to the other two and say, you know, what are we going to do? Because I think we can make it back to King's Cross in time. And they were already down the aisle. You know, they were gone. I just had to go after them. Um, so obviously, you know, I get to King's Cross in plenty of time. And um, as I'm walking through the doors of King's Cross, my phone just goes absolutely mad with uh, with text messages from people who knew that this was a worry. This was playing on my mind a bit. And it was like, please tell me you didn't leave. <laughs> and then, obviously, um, as the next couple of days it goes on uncovered you know oh I stayed I stayed for the the full 120 minutes and I made it back to the same train that you were on so I don't know what you were playing now. so you made the train so every year you know um, every year I get reminded um, yeah I, I deserve all the stick I get for it to be <laughs> fair it was a it was a, a complete misjudgment on my part and it has led to me missing arguably the greatest moment in Darlow history um, and the other one, I guess, that comes to mind when I think of Darlow games I would have liked to be at but couldn't get to, and hopefully people will agree that I had a much more valid reason for this one, was uh, the Barrow game back in 2012 that we all worried at the time would be our last. Um, I got to go to the arena to wave the coach away, um, possibly the only time up until now I've been on television for about five seconds. Um, Sky Sports News were down there covering it. Um, but basically it was three days before the due date of my daughter. And I didn't want to be um, somewhere in Cumbria when I got that phone call. So uh, uh, I made the decision to stay at home. As it happens, she didn't arrive three days early. She didn't arrive on time. She was five days late. Well, I think both of those stories just prove what an awfully nice fella you are, Mike. To be honest, much better than I am. That's I wasn't a very nice fella in uh, May 2011, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Not to those two anyway. Silent treatment for a bit. <laughs> Any others? Any other matches that you've missed, guys? Well, I, I, I can't beat any of that, but uh, I remember we played Hyde away in I think the 2015-16 season. And I think I did pretty much every game that season um, as a club official. And I, the night before, I went to a friend's wedding and obviously had quite a few drinks. And I knew on Saturday morning I wouldn't be going to Hyde away. And anyway, I, I think they'd beaten us twice by that point anyway. I think once in the cup and once in the league at home. I uh, kind of naively thought, well, we probably won't get anything at hand. You know, not the worst thing in the world if I missed that one. <laughs> 
Lee Gaston, of course, goes and promptly puts in a hat-trick, and <laughs> I'm not there to film it. And I get reminded about that all the time. By Lee Gaskell? By Lee Gaskell, yes. <laughs> Good. Well, Craig, I suppose it's different for you, because you're normally working. Right? It's, it's work and pleasure for you at the same time, I guess. Yeah. See, I can't match those two stories, really, because the nature of my job is that I kind of go most matches home and away. I, so I, I tend not to miss many games. But when you ask me the question, that have you missed matches for unusual reasons? No, not really, but it, it does bother me. I know uh, there probably isn't many people who would say this, but it, I missed Reading away in the League Cup in 2006. Probably not a, a major game in Downton's history, but it bothers me that I wasn't there because it was against a Premier League club. It went extra time and went to penalties. And those are, I mean, look, look now, 10, 12 years later, when, when are we next going to kind of go have that kind of occasion away at the Premier League team and go to penalties? It would have been quite nice to have been there really and quite annoyed that I missed that and we had Watford as well two years after that I think I was in the office both nights so I couldn't, couldn't get down there the only small his- footnotes in Darton's history but games I'd like to have gone to really looking back I think any chance you get to go to a cup match at any point with a Darton fan of the last few years you're doing well aren't you <laughs> yeah. there's been a few of them so few yeah well, well well, this Friday we'll have one and hopefully it's the first of a few uh, trophy ties this season yeah let's hope so let's hope so I, my, my Anna's good I, the, only, the only one I can vaguely remember was I was on the when I was a kid I was on the junior crime prevention panel and they had this because that's the kind of swatty kid I was obviously <laughs> and uh, they uh, they had this they had a, one of the meetings on a Tuesday night and Darlow were at home on the, on the Tuesday night and we got out at half eight so I went down to Feetham's after that to try and get in and they closed the turnstiles because it was the second half so I st- thought I'd try and get down the side of Victoria embankment and I got sort of halfway down and I got stopped by a policeman <laughs> on the way down for trying to sneak into the ground which I thought was a bit of an irony but anyway that's, that's about the only one I've got around. Yeah, I think the only way I'm ever <laughs> going to get closure on the whole FA Trophy um, final thing is if we win it again um, so Tommy if you're listening yeah that's do it you know what to do Right, so with all good podcasts, I guess we should start at the beginning, we should start and reflect on on what's happened so far this season, and I think it's been, let's say, to be, to say the least, it's been an interesting season, hasn't it, this this season, so I suppose, Craig, from your chair, what have you you made of it so far, if you go back to the start of the season, what's your sort of summary, what's your report card of this season, on and off the pitch? Well, where do you start, it's been instant packed, isn't it, there's there's been more happened off the pitch this season than has the previous five seasons and we're only halfway through uh, at the moment not even not even halfway through um, I think the club and the squad is a it's a work in progress it's a season of tran- transition I think we're seeing now uh, so much has happened and uh, Tommy and Alan have got their work cut out really in, in terms of getting the, the team right on, on, on the pitch and off the pitch I think David Johnston and John Tempest have got a bit of work to do as well as regards making the, the finances work I think, I think you're right aren't you I think transition's the key word isn't it that comes, it is, comes yeah. up I mean the other one I use a lot at the moment is reality check you know we've had five outstanding years um, you know we were going to hit a bump in the road at some point and I think we've we've hit that bump doing quite the speed really when you look at the the way we've shot up the leagues um, over the last half a decade um, so with everything that went on Sort of going back to the fans forum at the end of last season we had what felt like a very difficult summer we weren't really sure um, what was going to happen who was coming who was going and then you get to the first day of this season we go to Salford who everybody's fancying to win the league obviously they're top right now and we beat them 2-0 and it looks comfortable and you just think why were any of us worried and then we go on to win the next two games 
and then a very good performance at York to battle away and win a point there and and you sort of think ah, we're going to be alright you know we finished fifth last season we can do that again um, and then it's just after that the everything starts to unravel a little bit and uh, and we are where we are now um, to use Craig's word transition period you know we've got to almost rotate the squad I suppose Tommy and Alan I don't think they're finished they don't, they're not finished bringing players in they're probably not finished shipping players out there's maybe one or two more to go in both directions and um, it's just about getting to the end of this season as best we can if we can make a push for the playoffs and rediscover some of that early season form then great otherwise it's rebuild over the summer fully with a set budget and set expectations and maybe see where we can go from there well, I think it's like you said it's we started the season like a house on fire and it, it slowed down and for whatever reason we've never really managed to rediscover that form and that's been down to, to injuries or stuff happening you know off the pitch with the change of manager and I think when like you said you use that word transition really that period now where we've not only changed the manager but we're trying to change perhaps the style of play the philosophy of play and you can't do that overnight so it's going to take time um, and I think like you say I, I don't want to be too downbeat I mean we're at a point in the season where it could probably go either way um, I think realistically you just want to I think it's just about getting that next win isn't it I think once you get that you've got to hope two or three maybe follow in quick succession and then suddenly the entire season changes yeah, there's green shoots, isn't there? And we've got a great interview coming up actually a little bit later in the podcast with Tommy and Alan that we've um, that we'll bring you in a little minute. But before we before we start thinking about that era, I suppose we should try and reflect on the one that's gone before it. And Mike Martin Gray, you kind of got a, we've got to kind of do a bit of diligence to what he's achieved and and the way he's left. What's your how do you feel about the the, the Martin Gray era? Let's call it that now. I think when you look back on the last five years, um, obviously it's it's an unprecedented era of success for the club. Um, The number of promotions and obviously always finishing very high in the league. Um, And, you know, we have to thank Martin and acknowledge the part he played in that. And um, what I think at perhaps the end of the era um, came at the right time. Um, We, you know, we started the season, as Kev said, like a house on fire, but then we just we hit that bump where things just started to unravel a little bit we were we were losing games drawing games that maybe you feel we should have been picking up points in um, or picking up more points in and uh, and obviously at that point rumours start to fly around Gary Mills leaves York and we're all you know at that at, at that point you're thinking well we need to give Martin time to turn this around because he's proven in the past that if we do go through a bit of a rough patch he can get us back out of it and um what ultimately happens, of course, is York get rid of Gary Mills. Martin Gray takes the job there, and on reflection, it felt like the right time. Um, we maybe needed a change in philosophy on the pitch that Tommy and Alan are working on now. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Adapting to this new system will take time. Um, you know, bringing in new players will take time. But I think you've got to look back on uh, Martin's time with the club as a success that ended at the right time um, perhaps there's a possibility maybe over the summer obviously he considered his position after the whole fans forum thing but um, for me I think it was the right time when he did step down to take the York job 
Craig there'll have been not very many people who probably spent more time talking to him about Darlington Football Club over that five year period how, how would you sum up his uh, his time at the football club well ultimately you need to bear in mind you're talking about Darlington Football Club baby. this isn't Manchester United who we're a club if you look back I mean when we were kids we were probably relegated or in the middle mid table we, we don't get promotion as a football club no matter, no matter you look back at Darlington's history of 120 30 years we're a club that ultimately doesn't do very well and then in the last five years obviously we won uh, three promotions you've got to enjoy those moments when, when they come along because they don't no matter how old you are as a Darlington fan you can't hack back to a time where you know, there, there, there are no glory days in the past the, the, we've had seasons here and there there was never a 10, 20 year, 30 period, 30 year period where we used to win silverware all the time. This has been, um, at least with Halsey and Daisy's last five years, might not feel like it right now, but to win three promotions in a short bit of time, he, Martin, Martin Gray has to earn, uh, has earned, earned praise for that. So that hopefully that won't be forgotten. And I don't, and I think in the fullness of time, people will, will look back and will be thankful for what he did. But right now, um, yeah. The wounds, the wounds are still open. People are still sore about his exit, the manner of his exit, what happened in April, the fans forum. Yeah, it, people are a bit uh, unhappy, and understandably, for some of the things that some of the things that were said by Martin. Not always the best choice of words. Ultimately, I think he did well, and he and it was the right time to go. Go. It suited all parties. It suited Darlington and York and, and Martin Gray, uh, and we move on. I think it's right, and I think it's a good point. History will serve it serve it differently, I think, won't it? And uh, you know, we'll look back. I got some great memories of of that time. It felt, didn't it, like a felt like an awfully long resignation period because I think from the fans forum in April, I couldn't really see. Even when we had those wins at the start of the season, it didn't feel it didn't feel stable. It didn't feel like everyone was pulling in the same direction. I think that was a misjudgment. I wonder whether Martin will look back on that and whether he'd do anything different or not. You know, it doesn't strike me as a fellow who, who doubts what he's done all that much, but. Um, it's then again, you know, there's not many football managers leave a football club in great circumstances. Usually, something goes wrong somewhere, either on the pitch or off it. Um, and it just felt like a, a sticky, messy six months, I think, in between that fans forum and and the end. But you, you're right, you know, you look back at Team Northumbria at home, you look back at Spennymoor away, you look back at all those achievements that that Martin and Brian and Sean and the rest of the backroom team as well were involved in. There's some great memories in there. Uh, so you're right, I don't feel all that great right now, but there's an awful lot of achievements in there. Well, I think you've, you've got to remember as well, I think Martin Gray ended up with, a, I think, a, a 63 or 64% percentage win ratio. I don't think there'll be any Darlow manager in the future will better that, quite frankly. And, I mean, I think early doors when, you know, he had a lot of ambition. And do you know what, early doors, that suited the club because we needed that ambition, we needed that drive. And I'm not saying he was the one solely responsible for it, but let's be honest, he was a big part of it. And I think early doors, especially during the first three or four years, we really needed that drive, we really needed that push and that energy to get us going. And I'm, I'm not saying the club has got any less ambition than what it you know, has then, but I think now perhaps we're, we're wanting to do it in a slightly different way to perhaps what Martin wanted. And like you guys said, I think, maybe the timing was right for a change yeah I think Kev's I think Kev's hit the nail on the head there um, with the, especially with the part about ambition obviously when we started out on this this journey back um, to the football league we needed a manager who wasn't going to be satisfied with just you know yeah alright we only got one player and we've got all of these debts but you know what 
this is a football league club that's basically been kicked down to northern league level and we needed a manager at the time that wasn't just willing to sit still and stabilise we needed a manager who wanted to get us back up to where we believe we belong and Martin was that man I think if you think back back to 2011 at the time he was probably we were, he was probably the only person in the football club no disrespect intended who actually knew anything about football really he, he'd worked in it all we didn't have anybody else did we in that infrastructure in that interim board of directors and the rescue group who had a great deal of football experience either playing wise or administration wise football administration that is uh, so his, his, um, he, he almost built the structure I think of, of the club yeah. um, and, and was a big advisor in everything that was going on off the pitch as well so it's certainly been as, as you say it's been um, it's been a successful five years in many ways but I think we feel ready for a change as well so maybe that suits everybody yeah it's time to move on I think isn't it we, I mean it's time to move on I think we're all looking forward to the Tommy Wright era hopefully it'll be a long and successful and hopefully we'll have three more promotions and but uh, we, we shall see yeah Tommy's a good bloke and uh, it's time to look forward I think good well looking looking back to the, the Tommy Wright um, and Alan White era that's just about to begin before we go and listen to what they think about it and what their some of the description they have for the affection that they have for Darlington Football Club in a minute we should probably just comment on some of the players that have gone in and out because obviously one management team's left the new ones come in and suddenly from a period of kind of stable consistency squad wise we've got we've got the door in and the door out moving uh, moving all the time what do you think Mike of the uh, ins and outs that we've seen in the last couple of months been a very busy um, few weeks um, obviously with the managerial change first of all and then every manager has players that they want to bring in and sometimes for that to happen for one reason or another budget reasons things like that other players have to move on um, to make those funds available to make that space available um, obviously David Ferguson Adam Bartlett Mark Beck all leaving um, obviously Beck this season's been carrying an injury wasn't quite the player he was last season but we miss his presence up front I think when he wasn't playing um, Ferguson gives us pace gave, gave us pace and attacking flair down the left and obviously his he never made a, a secret really of a desire to return to full time football which he's been able to do with York and we all wish him the best I don't think anybody begrudges him that move and uh, Adam Bartlett obviously following him to York a few weeks later great goalkeeper um, but we still have a great goalkeeper, Ed Vilchinski, is more than capable of stepping into those shoes. And then we've bought in, um, you know, we bought in uh, Trotman, Mills. Uh, we've just signed Reece Stice today. Um, I thought Mills and Trotman did very well on Saturday. Um, I think Stice is going to be a very capable signing. Obviously, he's on 10 goals already with Tamworth, and uh, I can only see him adding to that tally with us. So I'm very happy with the dealings we've done so far. Do you know, do you know um, much about uh, Stice, Craig? Um, I know he's 28 now, 27, 28. I think he was a player who scored a lot of goals in the National League for Forest Green. And that might have earned him a move up into the Football League. But he got, I think Luton Town wanted him at one point. I was speaking to Tommy about it. I mean, Luton at the time was still in the National League, but obviously a much bigger club than Forest Green. That would have been a step up. He, got an, he had an injury which I think affected him for a year or two. And that's his career back really he's moved he's done he's been around it he was at Wickham for a, for a spell and that was in in the football league but he's kind of done the circuit really he's he's been everywhere he's, he's if you look at his uh, his CV it doesn't look great in some respects because he keeps moving from club moving from club to club but having said that 
he must have some ability, some talent if someone wants him. So you can you can look at that side of it. Um, he's, he was Tommy's number one target. He was the first player he wanted to bring in to, to Downton. So we can say, and that can only be a good thing. I'm being, I'm being very effective against us for Nuneaton last season when Nuneaton won at Darlington at Blackwell. Um, they were good, weren't they, that day? Yeah, I was good. very impressed with them. I know that Tommy says that uh, when, he, when he told the squad that he was looking at signing stage, Gary Brown were apparently, he says Gary Brown's eyebrows raised because I think there was a bit of friction between Reece Stage and the rest of the Darlington team. I, I look back at my match report and apparently I, there was an elbow incident with Stephen Thompson. Thompson went to the floor and the Darlington players all crowded around Reece Stage, who's now their teammate. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's one of those things that happens in football, doesn't it? You know, you have a bit of friction and then you move on. So, yeah, I think he's going to... Uh, he's What Downton need, they need a presence up front. As you say, Mark Beck was a presence up front, which Downton have missed. Uh, so hopefully Stage can uh, fill the gap. Well, good. Well, it's been it's been good to uh, to see Tommy and Alan be able to start to cycle through the squad a little bit and recycle things. And uh, we're also very grateful here that they agreed to spend some time with us for this podcast. They gave up the time very generously, and I think they've we've got a fairly in, uh, interesting and entertaining interview with uh, with the two guys. And we started off really in this interview by asking them what it was that persuaded them to come back and what memories they had about their previous time at the club. Yeah, Dave Penny phoned me, um, and I'm not going to lie. At the time, it was it was a bit of a gamble for me to drop two leagues, um, but he sold it to me the minute um, I met him at the stadium, and I, and, I, and I walked into that arena and I thought, okay, this is a club that wants to go places. Um, so I was really impressed, obviously, with the with the stadium, if you like. And um, once I'd obviously put pen to paper and I got to know the fans and, and went out on that pitch. And the fans took to me straight away, um, and I never really looked back. To be honest with you, so like I say, that was that was the first, my first memory of it, and how it came about. And, and that was a good team as well, wasn't it? So not only was it a good team on the pitch, but there was some good personalities, some good characters in that squad at the time as well. What can you remember, or what stood out for you with some of the guys that you were playing with at that time? Well, the first um, six months, to be honest with you, that was that was before what he actually came back to the football club. Um, it was a club basically in transition. Obviously, Dave Penny had just got the job. I don't think he'd been in long at all. Um, so he was trying to shift a few out the door. But... The most significant thing for me was the fact that Julian Jojim actually played for the football club and I absolutely idolised him as a boy, uh, as a Leicester City fan, so to play next to him, if you like, you know, was almost a surreal event. The fact that, you know, I, I literally I literally idolised the bloke <laughs> from the terraces at Leicester and like I say that was that that, that, that was a big thing for me. It meant, was he it meant a lot. No, he was permanent. He got signed from he um, I, I think it was Boston. Signed from Boston. She was signed when I did in the summer. No, definitely not. Definitely so not. one of the things that was clear, he's getting all this, yeah, aren't we all? Um, one of the things that was clear was how quickly you sort of struck up a rapport with the fans. Why do you think that was and and how did that feel to you? I went out every Saturday night with them, so... <laughs> He's not kidding, <laughs> by the way. To be honest with you, to be honest with you, I, yeah. I, th- I and think some Fridays as well. Uh, like no, <laughs> <laughs> not, not Fridays, no, definitely no. not Fridays. Most most Saturdays, yeah. To be honest with you, I um, I've always I've always been quite approachable. Um, I think as as a player and as definitely a manager, I've, I've definitely taken that into my management. But I've I've always been um, 
really approachable. I'd, I'd talk to anybody, and like I say, I think when you when you meet fans on things like nights out, I think they get to know what you really like, and I think they've all, they've always bought into me. Um, similar to, to Alan, to be fair, you know, he was probably always by my side, uh, blagging that he was the same age as me, but really he wasn't. <laughs> you used to call me your dad, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> So I think eight years difference. Eight years difference. Who is this? I did use this is my dad. dad. <laughs> I love giving nickname. Didn't you used to call him dad. This is my dad. Yeah, well, I was single. I was struggling, wasn't I? <laughs> I think between the two of you, if I think if we go in the tin shed, you probably know more people in there between you than than I do, which I guess must be part of the reason that you both decided to want to come back. I guess anyway, as part of the affection that you've got with with the people in the club. But that team at the time that you were both in the playoffs team it was a good team, wasn't it? A good team, and and I think. You know, from the outsider looking in, we kind of think that if you hadn't have been hamstrung with so many injuries in the end, it might have been a successful year, that one. You were on about that the other day, weren't you, about how many injuries? Yeah. What, how many did you say there was? 13. About 13 injuries we had going into that. But, yeah, we, we had a great bunch of lads, but it was um, we, had, we had a great mix of sort of lads, young lads who were like stockers, mm. who took their chance with both hands and, and you know ended up going on to bigger and better, uh, bigger and better things but we had that experience with like Stevie Foster, Julian George, him you know Tommy was a young lad but he experienced he'd played at a high level but he's still a young energetic lad but we had a great mix of everything and we had really really big personalities in the changing room Strong really you, you're going through all of them there wasn't there wasn't a sort of uh, there wasn't many sort of quiet ones. I mean, Jockey was quiet. George Jim was quiet, but he was funny. Silent assassin. Wasn't yeah, it? silent assassin. I remember somebody played a trick on him once, and he just he just sat there and he's like, with his little lisp. He had a, he's got a worse <laughs> lisp than I have, Jockey. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll sort him out, mate. I'll sort him out. You know what I mean? Little chuckle, and then I won't tell you what happened, but I think it was Kelts. He got back. Kelts did something to him. I'll sort him out, and he did sorted him out. When he little chuckle at the end, he used to just sit there chuckling, he but did. he was. Quiet, but a big personality, and I think that was what where the, a lot of the success that we had, a lot of the strength that we had as a group, came from. There was some big characters, but we all got on. There was no clash. There was some. There was everyone seemed to get on, and we clicked. I don't know whether it was just a bit of luck or whether Dave Penny, you know, knew that he was bringing in all these because we were all very different. Because it could have gone, it could have gone a lot differently with the personalities. Well, he brought a lot of lads in, didn't he, from Doncaster? I think there's four lads or five of the lads that he had success with. He brought them in, but like I said. The, the amount of us that have said like it's the best dressing room we've ever yeah. been a part of, and like I say, I've had I've had probably 12, 13 football clubs. You know? yeah. <laughs> I've got, got more than Tiger Woods, but for <laughs> me, <laughs> that's that's the best one I've ever been a part of. You know, I think it like why he said it had, it had absolutely everything in there. Um, you know, the the characters and but the, the 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 bond that we had on on a pitch was was just tremendous. But like you say, it was probably a waste of a season that year, um, and. We did deserve to go, but we kind of we, we, we kind of buried ourselves, didn't we? The last month of the season, I think our form was awful. Yeah, it was poor. But but like you say, with them big personalities, it it can backfire. You can go the other way. How many times have you been at a club where there's been a group of lads have come in, or a group of lads are already there, and it gets a bit clicky. Sometimes it can get clicky. I know one of the later times I came back to Darlington on loan, and it was like that. We had a massive split between this group. I won't say who. This group and this group. And it was, it was, you could just, and you could see Ian Miller was in the middle. Yeah. You know, trying to do both sides, because Ian, Ian being the lad he is, he was in the middle, and I've come in on loan, and it's like, I'm talking like, Dusty, what's, what's, what's all this about? You know what I mean? They literally didn't talk to each other, they didn't like each other, and it, and it sort of affected, obviously, the performances and that, but there was something like a, like a certain alchemy that happened with the lads 
when we were there that just kind of clicked and we still all keep in touch now don't we yeah well, I, well I, I lived i lived with uh, rob birdie and dave stockdale and that was eventful <laughs> at least in that in that house um like i say to be honest with you like little experiences like that that the made three biggest my nuisances in the whole club <laughs> by the way yeah. but we, absolute nuisances we were, we were we were thick as thieves and we were always up to no good but to be honest with you like we just never wanted to be apart from each other the minute we walked into that training ground in the morning we we were we were a nightmare. We didn't want to get off the training pitch, and then when we did get inside, you know, we had we had the the table tennis, the dartboard. You know, we were hurling darts like across the room over people while they were eating the dinner. It was a little bit, but we had a great time, and so that that team spirit was unbelievable, and that group probably did deserve promotion that year. Yeah. Big big personalities, but good players as well. The players that you're talking about, they're good players, and you had Tim Ryan, you had Ricky Ravenhill, didn't you? You had Purdy, you had Stockdale, you had you guys, you had Pav. There was a good. I think Celts was there. I think wasn't yeah, he as well. So good. I'll tell you what, we had, we had good players, but Mickey Cummins. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey Cummins. Cummins. Yeah, he's solid, really good, experienced players. But um, we had we had um, obviously lads who played higher though. I think that's massive. You know, lads who played at a higher level. Who, 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 so you can and, you, and when you train with them and, you, and, and they're in your team and you know that they played at a higher level, you know that you can sort of reach that as well. He's in my team and he's playing with me and he's played at a higher level. That means maybe he's am as good as him, you know what I mean? Maybe Zach can do that. Yeah. And, you, and you, there was a belief that we would, we would. Mm. I don't think there was any game where we thought well, you know, we maybe just need to come here and look for a draw. Never, never even came. It was just every week, right? We'll beat these. I think we knew we had a great manager. We'll beat these. As well, yeah. So we had, we had, we had so much respect for Pens. Um, we obviously knew what he did at, at Doncaster with the, with the FA Cup runs and stuff, and I think we all bought into him. Um, you know, obviously Martin was the assistant, and you know. Like I said, we had was such a great. Everything was set up for us to do it, and for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people point to the injuries, but there were games that we played that we really should have won, and like I say, the form dips at the wrong time for us, and it was hard to pick it. It was hard to pick it back up. That was, point. I said, Pens was good, but he, he didn't sort of he didn't rule with the iron fist, did he? He kind of he no. let people be themselves. He let the personalities come out. He let this kind of this this dynamic in the changing room evolve. He, he loved. That's what he wanted. That's why you know Fuzzy and and Tim Ryan and all these lads were brought in, and he kind of left all that to us, didn't he? Yeah. You know the discipline, the looking after what how the lads sort each other out, and and and, and I remember he said to me about the, getting the table tennis and the darts, get yourself Argos, get some, get the table tennis table and the and the, and the dartboard. Now, so I did that, got it delivered and stuff, and um, but it, and it's, you sort that out, you lot can do that, and he never really came <laughs> up that often, did he? Up to the where we ate. No. But he, he but he knew he, he knew how to do it. He had the right personalities there, and, and, and he let it kind of evolve on its own. It's, very, it's clever going because it's not easy it's to sometimes let to let go. Sometimes you want to be control. really hands-on, and you can kind of restrict and control players and not let them express themselves, especially on the pitch. You know, I think that sometimes that can transfer across. Sometimes. So that was an example of a good team with good players that went so close in that playoff final. I think the next one back was you, Alan, wasn't it? In about 2010, I think, on loan from Luton into a struggling team that time round. So that was starting. Yeah. On the thing, yeah. Well, that was that, that was that was the clicky one I was on about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, yeah. Was, you got to say word for word what you said to me <laughs> last week. What about about this time? About no, this period. No, no, no. Word for word. No, no. Good day. No, you never know, do you? Going to burn your bridges. But on on loan from Luton, wasn't it for the rest of that season? Yeah, which probably. In, I, I watched a lot of games that season as well. Probably the least said about that season. It was it was strange, but that was the one that was on. About, I, I got up there, and it was obviously the, my my memories of Darlington Football Club were the Darlington Football Club I left. 
you know, when there was these group of lads. Obviously, Tommy left a bit earlier. He had his movie, went up to Aberdeen and that. But the group of lads that I left and the club I left and the, and, and, and the, the, the team spirit. And when I got back up, they were obviously training at a different place, a new manager, and, um, different players. A couple of them were the same. But the whole place was just a, it was a different, just a different animal. It was, it was, it was depressing. You know, you got in there and we used to, I used to come in early. I used to travel from Nottingham to get to Darlington and then we used to set off even earlier so we could get in and play darts and see the lads and have a laugh and have breakfast. This one, you literally wanted to turn up five minutes before you had to go out and put your boots on and then you wanted to leave and go home. It was, it was, it was a strange, strange kind of atmosphere and I, 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 I didn't enjoy it at all really. I loved, the, I loved playing and you want to try and help your team. Plus there was other things about the, the point deduction and it was a bit of an uphill battle and all that but... It was uh, it was a very very strange experience, and I, I didn't really enjoy as, as as much as I thought I was going to. The, the football side of it, yeah, you enjoy playing football, and we we had a few results, and we didn't quite get there. We didn't have much much going for us, but it was a it was a, a completely different club, completely different club. And and Tommy, then you went up to Aberdeen, was sold up to Aberdeen, um, and had a season and a half up there, something like that, and then uh, moved back from Aberdeen, went back into England, and eventually came back to Darlington for the second time. And I suppose there's one particular memory that stands out from that. But what are your what are your thoughts about that that second time back for you? The um, the fans brought me back. To be honest with you, I think I genuinely, I genuinely believe that Simon Davy was was the manager at the time. Um, but Simon Davy was also the manager that sold me to Darlington from Barnsley. So at the time, I didn't really think when the phone call happened, I was like, "Why are you signing me?" Because like two years ago, you, you didn't rate me. So, but we we came back up to Darlington. It was it was it was on a Saturday afternoon, um, and I was on the bench actually for for Grimsby, and the and the Darlington fans were chanting my name for the, for the whole time. It was actually me and Adam Proudlock, I think it was, on the bench, and. Um, Proudy didn't get so, so much of a good reception. <laughs> <laughs> Should we say? I thought I thought he was a, a great lad, and I think the chant was on the lines of "Tommy knock him out" or something like that. But I remember it like it was yesterday, and it, it did make me laugh. And obviously, I did the little gesture of knocking him out, and he gave a little cuddle and all that kind of stuff. But say so the fans were always great to me, and I think that having having that kind of appreciation, mate. When that phone call came in the summer, it was just a no-brainer for me to jump ship. Um, Obviously, really frustrating season for me. Some Davy moved on, and before it even kicked a ball, um, his assistant—I can't remember who it was at the time—Ryan Kidd Kid took control for about three days. Yeah. You know, I had a phone call. I was actually on, I was actually on my honeymoon um, at the time, saying, "Don't worry about it. It's fine. I had a big, massive hand in bringing you here. It'll all be okay." Blah blah blah. And then three days later, I'm still on my honeymoon, <laughs> and, I, and I read the news that he's gone as well. And I'm like, "What is going on here?" Um, so you know, I came back. Mark Cooper came in, and it was it was quite obvious from the start, really, that he had a he had a different um, idea of how he wanted to do things, and I kind of got frozen out a little bit, to be honest with you, throughout that season. Um, and for the life of me, I could not see myself playing at Wembley that that year. So I was patient. I kept working hard, and I kept staying in front of him. Um, I think somebody got suspended or injured at the time, and. I got, back, got myself back in the team for the last four or five games, scored a few goals, played at Wembley, should have scored a few goals. <laughs> um, but, you know, luckily one came back off the bar and, and Chrissy put back in. And all I remember from that was just literally can't wait to get hold of that little so-and-so and throw it <laughs> to the floor. But it was it was just pure elation, to be honest with you. Like I say, it was 
such a blur. I just remember going up, um, keeper smashed me in the side of the head with his fist, and it come off the bar. And the minute he put it in, it was just, it just the whole place just erupted. It was, it was unbelievable. So we'll bring you the second part of that interview in a little while, but it's nice to hear, isn't it, some of those stories again, some of the matches that we've been to and some of the experiences that we've seen from the touchline as well. And it's clear what an affinity they've got with the club, isn't it, the two lads? What do you make of what would you make of that, Kev? I was going to say it's, it's nice to have someone who's come to the club who clearly wants to be here. It doesn't sound like to Tommy and Alan that it's just another job. It sounds like they really wanted to be here and... You know, I know there was quite a few names linked to the job, but these days you, you don't get the impression that it's just another job for them, that they're only going to be here for five minutes there. You know, they, they want to be here for a while. And to me, that, that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Darlow leaves an impression on you. Um, if all of our ex-players are anything to go by, um, everyone always speaks fondly of the club. Um, and Tommy and Alan, as fondly as anyone, I think. Um, and we remember them as players fondly obviously Alan more recently than Tommy and um, I was when we were commentating on the Bradford Park Avenue game um, where Tommy and Alan were unveiled I was sort of they were over on the director's side of the balcony and I was sort of keeping an eye on them on them out of the corner of my eye while I was uh, commentating and they were heading every ball and, and kicking every ball with those players on the pitch and they hadn't officially speaking taken charge at that point and, but you could see then the passion that the pair of them had for this club and the delight at the, the fact that, that Phil and Gary were able to sign off their little uh, time in charge with a win and uh, it is absolutely great to have them around the club um, you know I've spoken to Alan a couple of times um, since he's been here and he's always been approachable he's always been willing to talk and it is just uh, as Kev said it's great to have two people at the club who want to be here for Darlow and uh, not it's not just another job to them it's a funny thing, isn't it, as well? Because the results since the K, always we know they're in transition and it's comp- it's separate in many ways, but the results haven't been brilliant since they've been here either. Yet, it still feels to me like the mood has been lifted around the place, which looks crazy because you think, well, we haven't had this new manager bounce on the pitch, we haven't had loads of points and stuff, but to me, it still feel, it feels better now, mm. maybe for some of the reasons that you mentioned and it did before. Craig, they've been pretty good to deal with, haven't they, really? Yeah, I mean, Mike just said there, Alan's approachable, and Tommy's exactly the same. He's really honest and really open. Uh, not just with me, I, he's, I think he's like that with everybody he speaks to. He's just, that's in his nature. He's just a, a good man, good bloke, a time for everybody. He, he uh, And he's desperate to make it work. Uh, he's, I was, I said earlier to before, he, he almost, he's almost too open. Um, he, he says, he, he tells me so much, oh, not, 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 not secretary or anything, but it's just a breath of fresh air compared to previous managers I've, I've, I've had to deal with. Some managers, for various reasons, keep things to themselves. Uh, Mark Cooper was the one that was, was really open, and, and, and Matt Tommy's another one where he, he's great to deal with from my point of view, and I'm, I'm hoping that, well, that's coming across to the fans as well. I think the fans can see that when they when they hear him interviewed. Uh, they can see he's uh, just a, a good fella, and I think the players, more importantly, they've taken to him as well. They can see that um, he's determined to make it work. You, and, and we've had experiences of two sides of the coin with Darlton in the last five years, haven't we? I think on the one hand, we've demonstrated that when everyone's aligned around the club, fans, supporters, group, players, management team, when everyone's pulling in the same direction, it can be a powerful place to be. There's a lot of sort of um, uh, strength to be gained from that. But then we've had six months again where people are looking in different directions with different objectives. And I think it's been nice that everyone's been able to pretty much... 
uh, rally around the guys and be supportive of them. And it feels like everyone's kind of moving in the same direction again, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, you mentioned it there. Um, we haven't quite had that new manager bump. Certainly, we would have loved it if uh, Tommy could have had a similar impact here that he did at Nuneaton. I think he won his first eight games in charge there. Whereas, obviously, here, um, unfortunately, at the moment, it's one point in 12 in the four games they've been in charge. But that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, the performances are much improved. The confidence looks to be returning. Certainly, Stephen Thompson, in particular, on Saturday, was as good as I've seen him for many a game, many a month. And um, what's really good about it is a lot of times when a manager doesn't get off to the best start, the fans start getting very impatient very quickly. I haven't seen any of that. Um so far with, with Tommy and Alan everyone's behind them from board level down to everyone in the tin shed everyone around the ground everyone wants them to succeed everyone knows we're in this word of the podcast transition period um, and everyone's willing to give them the time that it's going to take to get things right and slowly but surely it feels like everyone is starting to pull in the same direction again and as you said Stu that makes Darlow a powerful place to be I mean Tommy and Alan know that being a football manager is it's about results at the end of the day they, they know they're going to have to get results but do you know what this this way of talking to people this way of engaging with fans I think at some point that does buy you a little bit of currency with fans doesn't it surely I think I mean you know later on no you know, maybe if you know, six months down the line if perhaps we hit a little speed bump or something like that I, I think fans remember you know how people you know how managers engage with fans and if they've been, you know, standoffish or, you know, maybe not great to talk to or don't come across well in the media, then, you know, that that might go a little bit against them when results turn. But, you know, Tommy and Alan have been more than engaging, I think, um, you know, when talking to people, when talking to the press. And I think that sort of thing does buy you a little bit of currency at some point. I think so. And I think not only we've talked a bit a lot there, haven't we, about how approachable they are and how um, what a good energy they brought around the place. But actually, the quality of what they're saying, I agree with. I listen to what they've got to say. I can see why they're making decisions. They've explained what they've tried to do. And uh, you know what? Even if it hasn't always worked out, you think, well, you know what? At least I understand what you were trying to mm. trying to accomplish there and trying to do. I understand why you're frustrated with the element of the performance that you describe and things like that. So, you know, and, and, and going back to the style piece, look, we, you, we it's, it's in that, professional semi-professional sort of era where we are with the club now isn't it but it's still the National League North you know there's still a good place I think for having a lot of engagement for having an open door for being able to go and work with the community and the fans and I think the lads have made a great start on that yeah they haven't made a great start I mean whether you, whether you agree with it or not being a football manager it's partly to pay our job a lot of the time Kev said a good word there engagement Tommy and Alan are great at doing that getting the fans on side they're currently enjoying a honeymoon period which other people in the same position played for one non might not still be in the honeymoon period and might get a few fans on, on, on the back but right now all the fans are behind them I think still want them to do well want, want, them, to, want them to succeed and as you say Stuart um, Tommy has explained his decisions explains why he tries to play 3-5-2 and put this player here and this player there and so people are sympathetic to what they're doing at the moment and, uh, and hopefully it'll work out. Good. Well, we've got much more coming from Tommy and Alan in the second part of the interview, which we'll break to in a little bit, which uh, spending a little bit more time talking about 
today, you know, and um, the task that they see in front of them and what their ambitions are for the next year as well. So we'll come to that in a minute. But before we get there, we've got one of the features that we've got in tonight's podcast is probably going to be the more controversial one, I think, because over the last few days, we've each been thinking about the challenge we set ourselves, which was to create Darlow Fans Radio's Impact 11. So that is the players over this Darlow Fans Radio era who we think have made the biggest impact on the club. So not necessarily the best 11, but those who have left a mark on us lot for whatever reason that might be. So I'm sure if you're listening to this, you can probably also think of your own Impact 11 for that time. We just made the name up, Impact 11. I don't know if that translates or not, but you get the drift. Players uh, in, a, in a formation which we set as 4-4-2 um, that we figured have just made the biggest impact in that time. So if you've got one that you want to send in, drop it, drop us it on a, on a tweet to at uh, Darlow Fans Radio or drop us an email or on the Facebook page. Let us know what you think of ours. But to kick us off... Remember, we're starting four four two. I'm not sure we're going to finish off there, Mike. Mike, well, Mike's going to Mike's going to walk us through at least his choice for goalkeeper and back four. Anyway, I think that's the that's the start point, Mike. What are you gone for? Okay, Stu. So, um, back four and keeper, we've got um, or I've got uh, Mark Bell in goal. Um, he was the first long-term keeper we had. A really safe pair of hands. Uh, stuck with the club for a very long time. Um, you know, um, even that season where. He was out of the team right up until the playoff final, and then he came in for that one game and played really well. Um, and then, as the uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I object. You got to go, up Jameson, don't you? Surely, he uh, m- much more, m- many more seasons, some tremendous performances. You can't forget Spenny Moore at home, where Jason Ainsley, I think, called him Superman or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure you can just roll over Mark Bell there without any challenge. Jameson would be a close second for me. I am. Um, I'm quite happy with Mark Bell, to be honest with you, because when he came to the club uh, during the Northern League season, isn't there a stat somewhere floating around that he didn't finish on the losing team after he arrived at the club? I'm sure I've read that somewhere. Well, we never lost. That's why we hardly ever lost, because that's Mm -hmm. the case. And he followed Jack Norton as well. I mean, you're going to look good after following Jack Norton. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going for, Stud? It's difficult. I I might sit on the fence here. (laughs) Different reasons. They've both got... uh, They've both got big things in their favour. Jameson, talented goalkeeper, and I think, well, you can see that he'll play at this level or maybe higher for years to come. And he was involved in I think, two promotions, I think, with Downton. He was involved in two of the promotions, uh, as in playing the full seasons, whereas Mark Bell played that one playoff game. But Mark Bell came in at a time where we'd been conceding goals left, right, and centre, despite doing so well in that Northern League season. We couldn't keep a clean sheet. Um, I think we hadn't kept a clean sheet in something like 14 matches when, when Mark Bell came into the team when he replaced Craig Turns who had a few games two or three games in goal after Jack Norton Mark Bell came in and we kept something like seven clean sheets in the first 10 games so overnight things changed uh, obviously Galbraith came in at the same time so Mark Bell had an immediate impact whereas uh, and then was involved in the club for a few years as well off the pitch so he was a part of the fabric of the club for a while Whereas Peter Jameson's also a, a talented goalkeeper and was involved in a couple of promotions, so I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll give you it, mate. It's your it's your call. I'm being half, uh, you know. It, I, we did we did say the goalkeeper was your call on this one, and I suppose the one thing I didn't mention is Mark Bell did make that good save in the Bamber Bridge playoff game by, with his face. Remember the one they had the divot and hit him in the face, which at least <laughs> I suppose I don't know if that earns him a right in the in the Impact Eleven, but you can go with it if you want. It's your call. I'm going to stick. Okay, go on. 
Back four. Back four then. Uh, Terry Galbraith, Chris Hunter, Alan White, Gary Brown. Gents? I've got the same four, so we can move on. Oh, OK. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. We, we're, we're not ready to move on. Um, I want Kevin Burgess in there. 11 goals during his first season in the Evo Stick Premier Division title winning team. And some of them were really important goals as well. They weren't, you know, there were a few goals when we were three or, you know, four goals ahead. But do you know what? Look at some of the goals towards the end of the season. There was one at home against Rochelle Olympic where we won 1-0. Um, there was a goal in the 2-1 win against Stamford, which I think was played at Spennymoor's ground towards the end of that season. And then I think a little bit earlier on, there was a, a goal against Marine at their place where we won 1-0. And, you know, given the, you know, how close the end of that season was, they're quite important goals, I think. I think there's a, an argument for Kevin Burgess to be in there captain for some of that as well I buy that I mean I think I'm, I'm with you on a couple so I don't know about Burgess I've got another one to throw in there from, for Burgess I'm with you on Gary Brown I'm with everyone I've got Gary yeah, Brown yeah. everyone's yeah, got Gary Brown for Galbraith and Brown yeah, everyone, yeah. so Terry Galbraith I mean just quality consistency quality on the ball set pieces play him anywhere you can probably play him in goal uh, so Galbraith's in Brown's in we love we love Gary Brown don't we've we? been also playing goal of course we've seen yeah and we missed him exactly and we missed him when he went didn't we he left we and went to Shieldham for a while and I, th- I think there was just a little bit missing so Brownie makes it in I, Gary I, Brown actually sorry to uh, yeah, yeah. cut you off there certainly um, I was I was taking a break from Twitter um, when the news broke that Gary Brown had gone to Shieldham and that was enough to get me back on going what I'm I interested was, more was, in why you were taking a break from Twitter I was attempting to give the whole social media thing a rest um, so I think I don't know I haven't tweeted for something like a month and a half and then Gary Brown gets sold to Shildon and I'm straight back on they're like skip us <laughs> kidding, so. so that's and two that that's two of, that of them rest. so that's what we've got two I, I went f- I went for uh, Stephen Harrison at right back yeah, I, I like Stephen Harrison in that, ta- in that time 39 goals uh, 39 appearances two goals Northern League <laughs> came back for a little right bit I'd have had <laughs> yeah, exactly so I went I went for Harrison but I seem to be in the minority there but I liked him and and you could also sing the Paradise song or whatever it was I, I, I was, was going to say song I, as well. I would have him in purely for the Paradise song yeah for that um, was a good good well, song we were, we were split down the middle on Hunter and Harrison admittedly we went uh, to, I think two or two each on that one I like um, Chris Hunter as well don't get me I wrong I must admit you know I mean we three of us went for Alan White but Kev has made a very good case for Kev Burgess there I'm half tempted to sort of the one thing that that sticks with me for Alan White of course is obviously we know he's Darlow through and through he's the assistant manager now so you know he had an impact on the pitch he's now having one off it I went for White I went for White for a couple of reasons well I think one of which was the um, the extra push that he gave us in that playoff season the the Bamber Bridge final where he you know we were looking for a breakthrough there and he had a hand in the goals with the set pieces certainly the first one which was the flick on that mm. that Cartman stuck in I went for mm. it for that reason and um, you know, I just think he looked a class above at that age. To, at that, that, that age that he was at, I still think he was a strong, uh, a strong performer. So I went for White in there as well. Yeah, I mean, we went to Whitby um, that famous night where we needed. I mean, what was it? Our third game in five days or something. We needed a win to secure the title. We're seven-one up. Biggest cheer of the night is when Whitey comes off the bench. Yeah. And you know, we'd been chanting it the whole half. We want Whitey on, and on he comes. And that that we scored seven goals that night. That was the biggest cheer until the final whistle. He played up front for a while as well, now I think about it. Yeah, he had two or three games, didn't he? There was one Colwyn Bay where he knocked one in and he, he came off the bench, was it against Blythe? And he had that great yeah. turn and shot. It was actually yeah. a cracking goal. He scored from the edge of the box, it'll be the weak left foot against Blythe, yeah, he did. And also started up front the Colwyn Bay. Crazy. But so uh, yeah, he did well. 
up to you, mate. You got the call on. We we give you beforehand. We give you the call on defence, so you can pick. You got a shout for Burgess from Kev, which is a good one as well. It's up to you. You go for it. Is it too late to switch to a back five? <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll, um, if we had a subs bench, I'd, Kev would be the first name on it, certainly defensive-wise. Um, but I'm, I'm, again, as I think Kev's argument for Kev Burgess very convincing. Um, but I am going to stick with Hunter White, Brown, Galbraith. Again, Harrison as well. Great impact in the, that, that first season. But then Chris Hunter sort of come to the club in the second season and he's been with us ever since. Fair play, fair play. You're gonna to have to go through that. I haven't got a pen. I'm not writing these down. So who we got there? We got Bell in goal. Then we got we got Hunter, Galbraith, Brown, and White. Yeah. So far, yeah. Okay. Kev, midfield. You, right. We give you the shout on midfield. Who's okay. your, who's, what's the best you got? Right. Well, when I was doing this, bearing in mind I was doing like the the full eleven, and I will concede some of my positioning. <laughs> certain players here is going to be very debatable but do you know what I'm not the first person in football to accommodate people am I so okay um, right wing I've gone for Stephen Thompson um, you know impact in that first Northern League season he absolutely grabbed that division you know by the scruff of its neck and the one above I think it was player of the season wasn't it in the division above yeah yeah. Was, yeah. That, yeah. That, that was ridiculous I mean yeah. I know people got a little bit upset that we paid a fee for him but do you know what? When you He's absolutely paid whatever that, that fee was, it's been repaid mm. five times over. I absolutely. Think by now. Talk, talk to me about Spenny Murray, Kev. <sighs> Stephen Thompson that, well, on that night. And we never mentioned that about Galbraith as well. That's another yeah. reason he was in my team. But Stephen Thompson, Spenny Murray, Friday night, Brewery Field. Yeah. Was it was it one one at that point? Was it the second half, wasn't it? And yeah. He yeah. had a run down the. Were we attacking right? up the hill as well? We were. Yeah. You, you, he had a run down the right-hand side, didn't he? It, I think it started more central, but it sort of peeled out towards the right. And I think Spelly, Spelly players tried to foul him at least three or four times on the way to him putting the ball across the That's face right. of goal for someone to knock in. I've never seen a player, you know, being attempted to be fouled for so about sixty yards. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I like Stephen Thompson, and he's still here now. Yep. You know, and he's still got a part to play now. So. I'm, Steve Thompson for me is a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us argue against Tomo. We've got him. We've all got him in our. We've all got him in our yeah. eleven. I mean, I've written down here more than justified the transfer fee, and then um, Northern League slash Evo Stick slash National League Messi. That chance just followed him up the leagues as well. Yeah. We don't hear it as much now, but he's he's coming back to his best. It's only a matter of time before the tin shed reverberates to that one again. There's two st- two simple stats about Thompson. Sum it up. He's no one's played more games since 2012, and no one's scored more goals since 2012. So, if he's not in the team, who, who, who is? He's in. I reckon he's in. Who else you got? Kev? Um Elsewhere in midfield, I've got Tom Portis. Um I I really like Tom Portis. I think you know he drives forward. He's got a real good energy about him. Uh, I, I think when I first noticed him the most was when he wasn't in the team last season. I think we really missed him last season. Um, it's it's good to see him back. So Good player, no doubt. And it is great to see him back as well. I, I went for Leon personally. I've got Leon right. in there for slightly different reasons maybe. Partly partly just because he's uh, you know, he's another player who's been with us. One of the first players through the door, I think, wasn't he, at the start? Did he play in that first game at Bishop Auckland? Even yeah, or was he on yeah, the bench? He, maybe he was and, on the bench. Yeah. And I did. think I think that sums him up really. Even even back at that time, he was uh, a bench stroke starter. But every level that we've gone up, he's mm. I think people have doubted him, and yet he's still managed to be there through all of the levels. So not involved so much with the first eleven nowadays, but. Um, somebody will remember. If we're talking about impact, is someone who's had an impact on my time over the last few years for sure. 
I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think is it him and Gary Brown are the only two left that started the f- the, the very first game of that Northern League season because yeah. Galbraith came in later, didn't he? Well, Leon's on the bench, but yeah, Brown yeah. And, and Leon Scott both played in that first game. As you say, Galbraith Thompson came a month well in the months mm. that followed. But uh, yeah, Leon's been a big part of the thing the, the, of the club last five years. He's uh, he's certainly got his place in, in the club's in the club's history. He's made he's made an impact, and as Stu says. Questions were always asked of him every time Dallant went up a level. The question was asked, "Can Leon do it at this level?" As you say, not involved so much this uh, this season, but I think he's also not just his work on the pitch. I think he's also respected for what he is as a character in the changing room. We've seen as a, a leader, an experienced player, someone that players uh, look up to. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man, really. It's what you need if you um, you need if you proper men if, if you like in the changing room, and uh, I think he's. Uh, He's someone who's uh, he earned his place in this in this eleven. Persuades me to buy a calendar every year. <laughs> <laughs> who else you got kept? So we've got decisions to still make there for centre midfield. But who else did you have? Uh, I've got Phil Turnbull uh, in centre midfield. I, th- I think people forget. Um, do you know when he came from Gateshead? He dropped down in uh, was it Evo Stick North Division One. Uh, yes, I think that was his first season, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, what a quality signing he was for that level. And I'm, I must admit, there was a, a point early on during when he first arrived that one of my friends said, I can't see what he brings to the side. And I, I turned around and I said, what, really? You can't see what he brings to the side? I said, just watch him for five minutes. Watch what he does. And, you know, he, he just quietly sort of sits there. You know, he's always there as an option to pass to and he can play, you know, 45 yard raking ball out the way you know he's not like a Tom Portas player who's going to drive forward with the ball at his feet but he's got a good intelligence and I thought at that that level he was a massive plus point for us couldn't agree more with everything Kev said there and he's given me a great idea for next season player cam (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah I mean Phil Turnbull fantastic player from the moment he's come through the door um, you know even raising uh, rising to the point in the board's estimation, in the fans' estimation, where at one point he was managing us alongside Gary Brown for three games. That's how much of an impact he's had on this club. That's how much he's trusted at the highest levels. Um, you know, are absolutely. We, are we unanimous? Just about first name on the team sheet. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, well, I think we are unanimous on Phil. Along with Gary Brown and, and Thompson, Turnbull picks himself really. Uh, not for his goal scoring mind. Doesn't, doesn't call any. Doesn't call <laughs> any of them. But in that title winning season, when Darton won the title above Blythe, he was Darton's player of the year in that season. He was the, in a very good team which got over 100 points in the season. He was the best player in that team, so he, he gets in the eleven for that. He's in the knee. I, I did say to Mike uh, uh, at half time at the match on Saturday if, when I was stood full term was on the balcony, and I know his nickname is Twinny. And I did say to Mike, what do you think, what do you think his brother's nickname is? Because I can't be Twinny as well, can it, surely? I'd be too confused. We'll have to ask him that one time next time we see him. But great player. Uh, my final one, um, and I must admit I'm accommodating here, but he did start on the left wing, if I, if I recall correctly. I'm up here well. You know, scored goals. Um, I know he got shifted to a forward, so I'm trying to accommodate him because I wanted two of the forwards in. Um, I liked him and I thought it was only injury which maybe sort of hobbled him a little bit. I think had it not Literally. been for injury, he could possibly still be around now. Good player, good player. I mean, and, and you could sing Wonderwall as well as we yeah. had a yeah. great night after the end of season two oh, in the man. Northern League. Absolutely, I think. I may have some videos from that night on my YouTube channel that uh, I think I'm as in one of them and we're all singing to him. 
was a great, great, great player, great player, and and also had some longevity as well. Then he was there a few seasons, mm. scored important mm. goals right at the end of the Northern League season, particularly as well. Okay, good. So is that a, is that a definitive four, or do you want to come back and review that depending on what you come up with formation-wise, Craig? Because I've got half a feeling you're going to go for three forwards here and mess everything up. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to throw several spanners in the works here. <laughs> but I always feel with these with these elevens when you put these things together, you're better off doing a four-three-three simply because it allows you to accommodate equal number of forwards as you can midfielders, and it, it, and if you're starting to put how happy well left wing, you maybe he's better off looking at putting him on the front in a, in a 433 that's how I see it and if I don't get me on with it I'm going to throw the microphone down and storm out <laughs> how are you getting home with your bad knee <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking at forwards uh, I mean again for me it's for me I'm looking at Cartman as being as being in, the, in a 3 or even in a 2 if you want 442 Cartman still for me gets in the 2 he had high expectations and he met them um, not so much this season, obviously, and and last season, last season as well, didn't score a lot of goals. But he scored some crucial goals, and he scored a lot. He scored thirty six of them, thirty six goals, I should say. And obviously, everyone remembers the the Salford winner, he scored against Bamford Bridge in the playoff final as well. Uh, Scarborough away, that was a big game at the time. Mm. Doesn't he sound like it now? But it, it was at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's done well, Nathan, and um, he had a bit of pressure on him. I think he's the kind of lad, kind of character that the pressure could have got to him a little bit. Maybe he's a, a sensitive soul. Maybe sometimes if you see something on social media, it might have got to him, uh, and that pressure might he might have carried that pressure a little bit. But he, he dealt with it, and uh, ultimately he, he did well for Dalton. Hugely popular figure, no doubt. Absolutely, always has. As Craig says there, you know, there's the occasional bit of chatter about him on social media, but he always did his talking on the pitch, didn't he? Always answered his critics on the pitch in well, the best way possible. I think you mentioned the social media side of things. I mean, he really did engage with that side of things really well. You know, I, f- I think he did form a bit of a a bond with the fan base. And I mean, absolutely. yeah, I know a lot of the players have Twitter and they're on social media, but they don't necessarily have to engage with fans in that way. It's not part of their job description or anything like that, regardless of what fans or we might think. But he did it anyway. And I think he was a hugely popular figure because of that. You're right, you just reminded me of a story because I was just thinking about the way that the family came up to watch, you know, I mean, we know little Alfie, don't we, in the push chair from Heritage Park and stuff like that. But there was one funny story I just thought of is uh, I did commentary for that Bamber Bridge game that you mentioned. And a few weeks before, in fact, it was a few months before when Salford were getting the needle. Yeah. I remember I'd put on Twitter one time about uh, it was the old, I think it was the first time it was coined maybe, the five millionaires and a billionaire. And we're owned by me, my mum, and my mates, and you can't beat us or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. And anyway, that was in the January and social media being where it was. He got hundreds of retweets and all that type of thing. I remember being at work one night and Gary Neville was replying at the hump and anyway, all that type of thing. But anyway, end of the season, Bamber Bridge, I was walking down with all the commentary, the, the commentary stuff in my suitcase and all that type of thing. And uh, and Vicky, Nathan's wife, came up and said, you know, all these months, she said, I thought you really did own the football club. So that's why I've been being nice to you <laughs> all this time. <laughs> I was like, so no, it was one that just reminded me of that anyway. But yeah, pop, hugely popular guy. Yeah, and, we wish him all the best. New contract. <laughs> yeah. So, so go on then. So, who else did you have there? So, you had Cat- Cartman. Sorry, I would, I would have Cartman and in there. And if we're doing it too, I've got a lot of time for Graham Armstrong. Uh, I thought he had an impact. Yeah, I thought he had a big impact in his time. Only two seasons. Um, Thirty-five goals in, in ninety-five games, and the last three being those three at Whitby. Um, 
knocks me he didn't get uh, goal of the season that year Lee Gassel got it for a brilliant goal but for me that team goal it would be it completed his hat trick the header yeah it was a header yeah it was a great header it was about 10-12 yards out really powerful header uh, yeah but before that it had been lots of uh, nice passing build up and he scored that header and it made it uh, completed his hat trick and I thought that summed him up because he, he was that's the kind of striker that he was a proper target he was a good target man good strong forward and there's been times this season we, it looks as though we could have done with him and he was available but anyway it, it, maybe his time has gone maybe it has but in his time at Downton I thought he had a great impact in the team and uh, I was a big fan and disappointed when he left proper centre forward wasn't he and he did he did so well to overcome that serious injury that you wrote about yeah, as well didn't he do you want to rem- remember what keeper rather having an impact on him yeah do you remember that injury Craig and I remember the report it I was don't know what you're talking about no yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't yes. get away with getting stick about Wembley no. I'm not getting away I, do, I do remember if you, can, if you don't remember Craig I'm going to drop you in it anyway I do remember reading in the Northern Echo one time that Craig had written that he'd uh, had a badly ruptured placenta <laughs> instead of instead of pancreas which I still think is about the best football injury I've ever seen and I, I always wondered how his placenta was after that injury he's done well to recover <laughs> never denied it you know never denied it <laughs> <laughs> so go on so Armstrong Cartman any advance on Armstrong Cartman I, I put Lee Gaskell in there as well um, purely because some of the quality goals he scored and do you know what when he f- sort of first arrived at the club in 2015 I mean we, we weren't doing badly you know we were doing perfectly fine but I just thought he gave us that little bit of extra quality that little shot in the arm at just the right time and um, you know he got on the goal through really quickly didn't he I think he scored a hat-trick against Mickelover I think and you know there were some brilliant goals in there as well I know he was only here a short amount of time and in fact he, he didn't actually finish in the squad towards the end of that season I think he was surpassed by Armstrong by that stage who got no bones with him being in there um, but you know for the short amount of time he was in the team he he left an impact on me certainly I've got a wild card I think I agree yeah, I think Gaskell's a good shout scored some cracking goals but I've got a wild card my wild card is Stevie Johnson from that Northern League season mm. remember we are talking about impact here and I think Stevie Johnson for me embodied everything that it was to be a Darlington fan back at that time in 2012 where we were picking ourselves up and dusting ourselves off the floor because he, he got to do it on the pitch he got to do it on the pitch he got to do it on the pitch when we all didn't <laughs> we all were on the pitch on the, in the Jealous. stands but the, th- the thing I like about that as well and uh, I know I mentioned this earlier before we came on air is, is the fact that when we were in administration that first time the old story went I don't know if it's tr- I assume it's true it's been told enough about how he went to the door at the arena and knocked on the door and said oh I'm a young lad I know you're struggling for players I play in the Northern League I want to I want a game. Can you have a word with Craig Little and see if you have a game? I don't think the message ever got passed on, did it? Nobody ever got back to him. But like I said, if if that message had got passed on, we might not have had to suffer Drew Broughton for the end of that season. <laughs> and for that reason alone, he should be in our Impact eleven. I think. Yeah, quite literally one of our own, wasn't he? He was, he was. Yeah. So there's some good players there. There's Gaskell, there's Pewall, there is Cartman, there's Johnson. And um, it's, I think it's your shout, Craig. And you've got a shout on the formation here as oh, well. There we go, no pressure. I mean, you, you went through some names there. I think Dawson, we need to mention. Dawson, yeah, of course. I mean, and Mark Beck, he was, he was player of the year last season. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying he should be in the 11, but he's worthy of mentioning. Yeah, he, yeah. 18 goals, player of the year. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, I prefer to see the 4 3 3 because that means we can accommodate, because we have some good strikers, as we just mentioned. So we can accommodate more of those strikers in a 4 3 3. Such so, a prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> go on then so so what would it be you've got have you got have you got it down well I'm, we've said Cartman see I initially wrote 
Yeah, Cartman, Armstrong, and then Kev's got me thinking about Gaskell, you see. I, Gaskell did, did have an impact, probably too briefly, though. Ask me. Mm. He did score some brilliant goals. He was a very skillful player. Not the kind of player that Martin Gray often accommodated, really. He was, But he was a very talented footballer, so he was in the team for a while. Um, but one thing that counts against Gaskell was the January of 2015, I think, roughly. January of that, uh, Sorry, January 2016. He, he lost his place in the team um, around that time. That was when Armstrong uh, got his place back. He proved to Martin Gray he would, he should stay at the club because I think there was a, was a chance he could have gone. Armstrong uh, got his place back in the team. He kept Gaskell out. Um, so probably that's probably enough to edge Gaskell out of things. And that I think that means Purewall gets in. So I would say Cartman, Armstrong and Purewall as the three. Cartman, Armstrong, Purewall as the three up front. My Stevie yeah. Johnson's hit the skids and that's not getting in. So Mike, <laughs> did you manage to keep up with that on your pad with what our final 11, our impact 11 was? Yeah, it was uh, Mark Bellingall, uh, Chris Hunter, Alan White, Gary Brown and Terry Galbraith across the back. And then if we were to go with um, a 4-3-3, we'd have uh, Turnbull, Scott and Thompson in the midfield and Armstrong, Cartman and Purewall up front. But if you wanted to go four four two, you could have Thompson down the right, Purewell down the left. So I'm same personnel up front. Yeah, very good. Good. It's Some good players. It's not only in an there. impact eleven; it's a flexible impact Fle- eleven. Flexible system, yeah, like international management. Bring them back. You know, you know what Dart fans like. We love seeing players come back. For <laughs> yeah, bring them all back. <laughs> bring them all back. It'd <laughs> <laughs> do all right. That team would do. It, it wouldn't do that bad, would it? Even Whitey, you know. I still say he could pull on his boots. I said it on Saturday when he passed that ball across for the throwing. I could do. Well, it's a good job. I mean, I enjoyed that. And like we said at the beginning, if you if you're listening to this and you've got some better ideas, which let's face it, you probably you probably might have, then feel free to put in your Impact Eleven in the DFR era. So in that since the Northern League, let's call it, put in your uh, put in your uh, Impact Eleven and tweet it to us at Darlow Fans Radio. We retweet all the ones we get and um, and see if anybody agrees or disagrees with us. But I think. After that, it's probably well, first of all, it's probably a good job we're not picking the team because we, we I don't think we'd ever get there in time for a match day. But we should probably go back to the guys who do pick the team. So what we will do is play the final part of our interview with Tommy and Alan, where we start to think about at this point the impressions they've got of the club right now and their plans for the future. And you've had a few weeks to get used to the place. Uh, what's your assessment of where the club is, both on and off the pitch, from what you've seen and felt in the first few weeks? Off the pitch, um, in a good in a good way, I think. You know, it's obviously I think the club would prefer to be in their own stadium, for example. Um, I think we'd rather be a football league club, but you know, we have we have built it back the, the hard way. So, and I do think that's really nice. You know, the fans got their club back um, and they've took it through the leagues. You know, and what you know, Alan's just been saying then about you know back to back promotions. That was off the back of having some real horrible. Experiences and, and years, so I think the the feel good factors back around the football club. I think the whole town now needs to get reunited and, and get real really behind the football club and back it with the numbers that are coming through the gates. Um, in terms of the squad, you know we we knew what we were inheriting when 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 we accepted the job. I think it's a great bunch of lads. I think we've added a bit of quality in there this this week that's that's um, strengthened it, and I, I expect us to go on a on, on a big run now. Yeah, no, he's absolutely. The hardest thing I think that we were going to face is doesn't matter how many times people say in the papers or supporters say and talk about it, but you know, they just need a bit of time. 
they just need a bit of time, you know. If you give them a bit of time, then they'll then they'll be then we'll be fine. And we're like, great, yeah, because we do need a bit of time. But it's 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 all about it's all about <laughs> results, and it's all about that's that's the biggest, the, the hardest thing for us at the minute. The club's in a in a, in a good position, good solid position, and I think the guys that are behind the scenes, David and John, and everyone else, they know what they're doing. They've got a good plan. Me and Tommy have obviously we've got our own ideas, and we're helping out, and we're making changes. And 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 it's it, there is a definite plan. There's a direction. So and that was obviously something we were both, especially when I came in to talk about getting the job, about the role. It was that that was the only concern because from the outside looking in, you don't know anything. You're only going from whispers and rumours. So that was reassuring. On the football side of it, I knew the lads. Tommy didn't know them as much, but straight away you could tell the personalities are great, strong characters, and good players. Really good players. Players with pedigree as well. Um, we knew we had to get in there and we had to sort of lift them, get the confidence back, give them a, a bit of a, a bit of a shake, you know. We knew there was areas that needed, maybe needed slight improvement. The squad that is, not not individuals. It wasn't like, well, he's not good enough, they're not good enough, he's out. Da da da. It was we were identifying areas where we where we wanted to be strong, and also there was people that were in the backs of especially Tommy's head, in the back of his head, that he wanted to bring to the club. It wasn't that we were particularly weak in that area, it was just, I want to bring him in if we can. And we've tried, and Tommy's been working his socks off, to be fair, this last couple of weeks, getting these people um, sort of signed this, this week. You know, it's been, it's been a really big thing for the club. And that was, that, that, that's, that, that's the only thing that we've um, been focusing on lately. Obviously, there's a lot of other things we need to do, but... Um, we knew we were inheriting a group, good, good, uh, good group, and we knew we wanted to bring certain lads in. Um, but all these things are going to take time. But we know that for all for all people saying, "Oh, they need time," if you don't win on a Saturday, it puts pressure on. So it's important that 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 that's, that's happening, um, and that will give us a bit of time, and then we can achieve what we hope to achieve. So, what do you think? With, with that said, and you both touched on it, then in terms of this season, what is a realistic? Ambition or expectation or hope? Do you think for where you can get to this season? If we discover the form that the boys had last year, you know, predominantly this this group was together last year, and it was by rights a playoff team. Um, for August, they, they we, we were top of the tree. Um, if we can rediscover that form, um, anywhere near that, I, th- I don't think we'll be far off playoffs. You know, that's that's our goal. You know, currently we're four points off. And our next opportunity to, to gain ground is obviously on Saturday at home, um, and I think if, if we if we can if we can string a few wins together, I think we can start climbing this table, and then I think everything else starts to fit together nicely. I think the confidence comes back. Um, I think the belief and, and and everything surrounding the group comes back overnight, and I, I do genuinely think they're one win away from from discovering that that, that belief and togetherness again. There's a, there's, there's a, there is a, like a, a big psychological thing uh, to what Tommy was touching on. Then we need to get on. We need to win a game, and, and, and confidence breeds confidence. You know, winning games is, is a habit. You know that all that sort of cliche type stuff. But the good thing that we've got is, is the lads have already done it. They started off the season. Did you say they won? The, did they win the first four or five games oh, and the drew? Yeah. But they've already done it, and it, they weren't all easy games. So they, they can do it. They have done it. They've already done it. So it's not it's not something that we're asking them to do that they haven't already done. So they they know they can do it. They know it's just it's just getting that belief back and that confidence, and 
you get that first win, it will be huge, you know, when, when it comes, hopefully this Saturday. But when you get that, psychologically it's huge. And sport at any level, especially but more importantly professional level, where you get so many, and the higher you get, you get so many good athletes. The one who wins is usually the one who's got the slight psychological edge, you know, the one who's got the confidence, the one who believes, the one who's willing to take risks, the one who's confident enough to take risks, the one who's not afraid, afraid to fail, you know. And so that little psychological edge of the lads have already done it. You've already done it. You've already won the first five games. You've already shown you can be up there. That's massive. That's massive psychologically, I think. Because it's not like, oh, we don't know how to do it. They know how to do it. Good. And, and that's thinking about the, the first team squad just there, really, as well. Is there anybody, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look yet, but is there any, any young players around the squad that you're interested in, intrigued at? Harvey's obviously one that came and played on Saturday that there's been some noise about around the place, a bit of excitement about. Any, any players um, outside of the matchday squad that you can see you've been able to work with and, and get into that starting eleven? Yeah, there's there's three or four that have obviously trained with the first team, but that's that's as far as it's really gone with from what we've actually seen. And we haven't had the opportunity to see them in games. Obviously, Jack Volks, everyone tells me how good he how good he is going to be as a centre half. But until until we physically see that and we test him, we're never going to know. Um, you know, there's there is bright young talent in there: Dale Milburn, Vinnie Steele. You know, there's lads that are having that um, introduction to you like to, to Northern League football, which I think is great. Um, but we we need to unearth a few more. And like I say, I think the more me and Alan are around the reserves and, and the under 18s, we'll start to get a, a better um, opinion on everybody because I'm sure there is a hidden gem in there somewhere. But you know, Harvey, I think that you know every every other young lad at the football club needs to look at someone like Harvey and go, look, you know, they're prepared to put the neck on the line with him. Why not us? You know, if they keep working hard and they keep listening to us, then they will get opportunities. Good, thanks, Tommy. Just just looking forward, just to finish off, looking forward for a couple of minutes. You know, if you think if you think ahead and think, you know, two years down the line, what sort of changes? And I'm thinking of academy. I know you've been involved with academy setups in um, previous clubs as well. What sort of place would you like the football club and the football squad to be in in a couple of years if you've got chance to work consistently uh, on the plan that you have? How many years we got? Two. I'm, st I'm saying two. two for this, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's longer, of course. Two years. Two years. I would like to think we're in the Conference National. You know, I think if we were to get, if we were to get promoted this year, um, you know, we need to, we're not going to be naive and go into that league and think, right, we're going to go and win that one now. You know, obviously there's, there's, there is factors behind that. You know, look at Fylde, you know, Fylde with the, with the Money Boys last year, they absolutely blitzed this division apart and they've gone up, gone up to that one and they've actually struggled a little bit. So, it's a really strong level of football. Um, you know, look at the investment that Forest Green had to, to get out of that league in particular. It's that's how football's getting now. The lower league football, um, money men in there. Is, yeah. it, there's a lot of money, so we've got to do it a different way. You know, we've we've probably got to do it in terms of a group of players that's together. I think if we can keep a winning group together, uh, you have half a chance, and that's something that we'll be looking to do. So two years. I like to think we're a National League uh, football club and going on the right way to becoming a football league club again. That's why you need a plan. That's why you need a long-term plan, isn't it, really? You need to set up the foundations and a solid sort of in infrastructure and all that because getting into the conference is one thing. Staying in there, it's having the, you know, the, the, the finances and the, the backing and the structure of a club that can compete with us because it's a massive step. Mm. We thought it's a big step from... You know, last last uh, well. you know, the, the league below us to this, it is a step up in quality. But 
club-wise, expense-wise and all that, it's not huge. But that next step up in the conference, in order to hold your own and, and, and function as a, as a conference league club, you don't want to be yo-yoing. You know, but to do that, you've got to be you've got to be solid, haven't you? You've got to be ready. You've got to be you've got to plan for that. You know, so it's 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 important that when we get there, it's we're in the right position as a club. I think which, which I think up, we which we are. I think it opens up the southern football as well. You know, there's something that I won the southern uh, Premier League at Corby, but it's easier down have, there, don't it? It's easier down there. So I, 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 what I was just going to say is completely irrelevant because why he's just dismissed it. <laughs> 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 you're almost good as the unknown, you know. Obviously, there's 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 teams on the march uh, down there. Obviously, tonight there's was it Leverhead and Billericay coming head to head. So there's there's teams down there that are in the same kind of category as what a Fylde was, for example, with uh, a filthy rich chairman that wants to build his dream um, of of owning the football club in his area. You know, so there's, there is money everywhere, and you know you see some of the players that are signing for them two teams in particular. It, it is eye-opening, and you know that they are very, very ambitious clubs. Um, but we won't put this club back into the position that it, that, it, that it went to by by gambling, and we, we'll live to our means. We'll cut the cloth accordingly, and, and we'll do it the right way. And if we have to, if we have to build academies and all that kind of stuff, then that's something that will be made at boardroom level, and that and that we we'll obviously oversee. So thanks, of course, to Tommy Wright and Alan White for spending uh, so much generous time or generous uh, use of their time to come talk to us for this initial Darlow Fans Radio podcast. And good that they've had a chance to get their feet under the table a little bit, assess the squad, bring some players in, take some players out and uh, and look forward to building a solid base into this season and beyond as well and hearing a little bit about some of the plans that they've got for uh, the next year or two. And that planning starts, Kev. Uh, with a game in the FA Trophy on Friday evening at home to Harrogate Town, which on paper should be a challenging one. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, that one. Um, obviously, Harrogate are, are really flying in the league. They've got ambitions to go up this season. I think they're, they're right up there at the top end of the table, aren't they flying? Um, it'll be interesting to see where this sort of competition sits within their, within their season. I mean... If they're perhaps not too bothered or perhaps they feel they've got bigger fish to fry, then you know, we've always got a chance to progress. You know, Football's a strange game. Anyone can beat anyone on any day. But if they feel that maybe this is a competition they don't particularly feel too fussed about, then you know, maybe there's a chance for us uh, to progress. Absolutely. I think what Kev said there is absolutely spot on. Um, it will depend on what priority they assign to a cup run. I know certainly we're all desperate for one, um, but it, we'll see what team they bring on Friday night. And if it is that they are concentrating on the league, I think they're second at the moment, then um, you know that, that hopefully increases our odds. But we play the way we know we can. We can give any team in this league a challenge. They are a team in our league. It's a one-off game. Anything can happen. I'll make I'll make a prediction. I think they'll go full ball for it. I don't. I'm not entertaining for a minute that they'll do anything but play their strongest squad. It's the FA Trophy. They've had a week off. They've got no backlog, no midweek games. I, I can't see anything. So it's a pretty much a local derby. So my expectation. I know nothing about Harrogate Town. I might mm-hmm. be completely wrong. Simon Weaver might send a different team out, but I'm expecting they'll go full pelt for it. And I think it'll be a challenging game. But I agree with you, Mike. I think if we play to our potential at home, and let's be honest, we're due a little bit of break as well, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think we got a chance. And wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good to get to Christmas still in a cup competition? Can you imagine? Mm. Yeah. You say we need. A, you say we need a break. Well, I think we need. We do a cup win. We haven't had one for two years. Uh, in any 
level of any cup competition we haven't won a cup here I think we need yeah. to re-enter the Dutson, or whatever it was called. Yeah, I that's think. our last win. I mean, Dutson, yeah, against Frickley away, 3-2. I'm sure you remember it. That's, I don't <laughs> was there anybody there? It was one of those nights where I think the Martin sent the, the youth team that went down on a minibus, because that's how much they, you know, they, they, were, they were interested. And they ended up winning. The, the, that wasn't in the plan. They ended up winning the, ga- the game 3-2 away at Frickley. And they were, earlier in the season, we'd beaten, it was at Mosley in the trophy, when I think um, Jacob... He's in my lack of impact 11, Jacob Heimer. I still laugh at him. I mean, I've never seen anybody who looked less like a footballer ever. Yeah. Uh, well, again, that says something, doesn't it, about our previous manager's in, interest in, in cup competitions. He, you know, he, he was prepared to give players a go in, all, in, in the FA Trophy. But that's, things have changed now. We, we must win these games. We need to win because the money's needed badly. And also the path, the money, the excitement, the interest that we can build when you have a, a good cup run. So hopefully Old Alton will uh, we'll have a bit of a run this year. Going back to Harrogate Town, their form is a bit patchy. I think two wins in five or six or something, all competitions. So if I was their manager, I'd be looking to get back to winning ways, which is a phrase we used to hear regularly. I think that's what they'll be trying to do, get get get, get another win, get back into some form. Uh, so they'll be taking it seriously. We certainly will. We'll see what happens Friday. Some tough, some tough. Sorry, Kev. I was just gonna say some tough games coming as well. Beyond that, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think the Harrogate one is an important game. You know, I don't want to say it's going to shape our season because it's a little bit too early for talk of that nature. But do you know what? If we, if we get a win in that game, it gives our season a massive shot in the arm, doesn't it? it gives us a bit of boost of confidence. And do you know what? If, like you say, I kind of hope Harrogate do come here and fancy it because that means they may not stick 11 men behind the ball because sometimes you get a team like Tamworth on Saturday who I, I didn't think had much inclination to do any attacking none, none two, whatsoever. two ones they had on the break and do you know what if you get 11 men stuck behind the ball it becomes very very difficult to break them down so I kind of hope they come have a little bit of a go at us because it might leave some space behind and broadening out aside from the FA Trophy a little bit just thinking forward to what expectations or ambitions might be for the rest of this season I know Tommy and Alan have said on record that they still think there's a playoff run in this team but I guess in order to do that they need to win, start winning some games before too long and they've got some tough ones coming haven't they yeah they certainly have um, obviously we've got the FA Trophy game that we've discussed there but then after that Salford at home you know they're the league leaders they're everyone's favourites to win the league at least maybe not everyone's favourites but um, BBC's yeah. favourites. <laughs> um, but you look at that. You look at that game. You, it's difficult to see us on current form, at least, getting anything out of that. Um, as Alan, I think it was said in the interview there, that first win is going to be massive. If we've got that on Friday, it changes the whole complexion of the the team and the fan expectation and hope going into the game against Salford. You know, we beat them at their place at the beginning of the season. Who's to say we can't do the double over them? It would be nice. Um, always satisfying and then after that we've got um, Gainsborough away um, they're currently sat in 17th um, on decent form um, but you know away games are always tricky and then uh, the double header over Boxing Day and New Year with uh, with Harrogate again I think three of our next five games are against them mm. so uh, Friday feels a bit of a dress rehearsal for the league fixtures if they do send an 11 that they would put out in the league um, we need to get I think we need to get a win on the board sooner rather than later, of course, just to, to, to get everyone um, up and cheering and a morale boost again. Um, pessimistically, it's difficult possibly to see where that might come from soon, but we've got to believe that, I mean, you know, 
to use your phrase from earlier, green shoots. We are getting better on the pitch, and I feel it is only a matter of time until we do start getting the results we deserve. And you know, passed, passed up some points and against. We had a real run of winnable games, didn't we? At the end of Martin's tenure, and we didn't win any of them. I think that's mm-hmm. the that's the one that's coming home to roost a little bit now. So we're coming into a trickier set of fixtures. Um, that are going to be a bit more challenging to pick points up. But like we saw on Saturday, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with the way that we're producing performances on the pitch after, after that. We seem to have a bit of better shape, we've got a bit more pace around us, a bit more physicality. So I'm, uh, I'm ever the optimist. Ever the yeah, optimist. December and January are going to be difficult months, but as our new signings bed in, you know, maybe Stash can have a, an instant impact. And, you know, if we do the uh, Impact 11 again in a year, he may well have found a way to one seat one of our front two or three. But. Uh, you know, um, as you say, optimism will win the day, and uh, we've got to believe we can do it. I mean, I, I hate that term, a free hit, because it almost sounds like you're giving up on a fixture, but kind of guess the Salford one maybe is a little bit of a free hit. Um, I'm kind of looking at that Gainsborough one a little bit, because I think that's a really important fixture. I know they're down near, you know, down near the bottom end of the table, but they're in decent bit of form, but... I think if we want to stay away from you know that bottom pack of teams, that's a game where we've got to go and we've got to get something from it. Agree. If I were, if I'm going to pin you, then I'm, in fact I'm going to pin you. So what, let, let's have a let's have a prediction for for where you think Darton will finish this season. That's a cruel one to throw at you without any preparation, but I'm going to do it anyway. So what do you what do you think? I'll go to you, Craig, first, <laughs> since you look the most anxious and nervous about the fact I just said that. Really what do you think? Yeah. What do you think? Go on. What well, do you reckon? It's going to be tough, isn't it? It's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be difficult because the longer it goes on without a win it's, it might have a bit of a snowball effect there but we'll see uh, I do think it's going to be a mid-table finish the, the managers have, uh, the managers have got to, sorry the manager Tommy Wright has got to say that um, we're going for the playoffs that's the right message to send but the reality is I think we'll do well to finish um, away from the play, uh, sorry, the relegation zone it's going to be a tough period because as you say tough fixtures to come at the moment games are in good form we actually haven't got a game a week on Saturday when all the other league teams are playing so when that happens we can get sucked further down on the tables that can look very good if we've they've all got the games in hand uh, so we've got some tough games and come the end of the season I would like to think we're above the relegation zone but it will be lower half of the table I imagine See, I look at that empty week and I, I think well, I'm glad we've got 20 league games played because that gives us some time in the fixture list for our FA Trophy run in the uh, after Christmas. That's the way I look at that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Mike, what do you reckon? Um, it's a difficult couple of months ahead, um, but I can see once we're through that, um, obviously if we get a, a run of difficult games, then that means that hopefully there's a run of perceived at least slightly easier games to come and we can pick up points in those and start to recover a bit um, it feels like at least looking at the fixtures on paper it could get worse before it gets better which is probably again a slightly pessimistic outlook but I do believe that we will um, we will get through the worst of this and it, it will start to turn around and we will start getting the results that the, the, the play of recent games has deserved and um, I don't I don't think we'll be seriously relegation threatened we may drop towards that trapdoor at a point but we won't get into it before we start to climb away from it and I can see us probably roughly where Craig says sort of finishing lower half of the table but towards the top end of that so sort of 13th 14th 
Kev? It's a strange division, isn't it? Anyone can beat anyone, I think. Um, I kind of think we'll finish roughly where we are now, to be honest with you. Um, like Craig says, I think Tommy's talked about the playoffs. He, he's got to do that, hasn't he? He's trying to bring new players in. He's losing players. He's trying to put in a, a new style of play, a new philosophy. That's a lot to do, especially when you've only got two training sessions a week, which last, what, an hour and a bit. So he's got a lot of work to do. And I think if we can just get that first result, then maybe we come back and re-ask this question because, you know, you get one result and the entire picture changes, doesn't it? So I think we'll be roughly where we are about now, as long as we're still in, in the division next season. I think we can we can pick things up and go again. I hate that term, by the way. We'll go again. <laughs> we'll go again. We'll go again. I, I'm a bit more optimistic. I, I, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll finish playoffs, but I think we will. I think it'll take the management team a while to change a style of play in the limited training sessions that they've got, the limited contact time with the team. Um, but I think I think we will go on a playoff run towards the end of the season, but just run out of road. But I, I think we'll be finishing, and I think we'll be finishing ninth, tenth on a good run of form in the spring. There you go. I've got no, I've absolutely no evidence to base that on other than gut feel. Uh, I think we've got some tough games coming, but I can see us improving and fortunes and, and form improving towards the end of the year, but too late. That's my prediction anyway. Yeah, what I will say is I hope of the four of us that you are the one that's right. Yes. Um, It'll be a first. The other thing, <laughs> the other thing I think will give the, the club a bit of a boost and is obviously um, off pitch at the moment, or rather close to the pitch, is the, uh, the construction of the new stand that uh, obviously we... We saw as much as we may miss any player that's not playing, and we uh, missed a vital part of infrastructure last season. Unfortunately, that meant that we couldn't capitalise on the fifth place finish. We're going to get that this season. You know, the uh, the fundraising's almost there. It could well have it could well have all gone green while we've been sat in here tonight. Um, but I think seeing that going up and having that extra capacity at Blackwell Meadows and uh, will be a big boost um, to the fans because that will mean that when the time comes, not if, when the time comes to make that playoff charge, you know, if we can start it early enough and get there before we run out of road this time, we're ready to take part. Yeah, good. Good. Okay, we'll probably talk more than we intended to today, mm. but before we finish off, uh, the one thing that didn't go uh, unnoticed the other day was, as Andy Simpson tweeted out on behalf of DFR, it's past our fourth birthday at Dowlow Fans Radio, so we did think we should think back and ask each of our guests in that time what their one magic moment is the memorable moment so for Mike I don't know whether that's one of your commentary moments so what's your what's your magic moment in that four year period I tossed a couple around in my head um, runners up places honourable mentions to the one Phil Turnbull goal that we have had um, in his distinguished career with us um, which remains to this day the closest I've been to swearing on air um, I'm I'm I turn the air a lot bluer in the tin shed than I do when I've got a headset on. I do have to remain professional as an impartial and unbiased as possible, but I may have um, lost it a little bit when Phil leathered that one home. Um, and then there was the, uh, the the Barcelona goal, as it became coined online last season, against Tamworth, which was just probably the best team goal I've seen a score in the last five years. But in the end, um, I've gone for the Spennymore playoff semi-final, um, David Dowson's winner I just remember the, the roof coming off the tin shed and watching the highlights back afterwards the roof coming off the main stand purely from Andrew just screaming Dowson <laughs> down the microphone um, possibly popping a few speakers that day I think so um, but yeah what a moment that was just 
I just remember sort of nobody was quite sure in the tin shed that it had gone initially because I think he sort of he doesn't catch it cleanly but the keeper makes a bit of a hash of it and you can just see if you watch if, if you were able to watch it in slow motion you'd see this ripple of celebration just filter across as people close to it see it go in and then other people who can't maybe see it as clearly oh. realise that we've just taken the lead in like just about the last minute of the game I, I was uh, one of them I was in the tin shed for that goal funny enough and there's all people stood against the fence I had no idea it had gone in so you have to wait and see everybody else because it's a side foot into the bottom corner isn't it you couldn't see the bottom corner so you just had to hope it got in and react to it but it was a special moment wasn't it for sure it certainly was what about you Kev what was your, what's your moment um, probably quite a small, mo- uh, small moment really in the grand scheme of things I know you can go on about playoff games or individual stuff but I remember the game after the the Whitby match, which I kind of for the life remember who it was against. No, no one cared. Russia, Russia, Russia. There you go. People can remember. <laughs> um, do you know what result didn't matter? I think we ended up getting beat that day. But um, there was a nice touch from Martin Gray before the game. They, they had the trophy out. All the players were together on the pitch and. I think he invited the likes of me, you, Ray, um, you know, the people who've been involved behind the scenes, you know, on the pitch to have the photo taken with the playing squad. And I thought that was a nice touch, to be honest, really. Kind of sticks in my mind. Good, good touch, Craig. Yeah, funny enough, I was going to mention a similar thing. I was going to mention that in my answer, really. That was a, a nice a nice moment. And that summed up Martin Gray, by the way, because mm. he's very much about being, we're in this together, we're, in a, we're a team, we're all as one. And even though I don't actually work for a football club, I'm at the local paper. Um, he wanted me to kind of, he wanted me to feel as always part of the group, and he wanted the group to think I was part of it, and he wanted it all everybody together. So I was on the pitch afterwards yeah. for the team picture. So that was a nice moment. Also worthy of mention at Rushall Olympic that day was the catering was fantastic at Rushall Olympic. <laughs> <laughs> There's cakes, biscuits, oh, oh brilliant, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that was a standard. I mean, after an Arsenal, we have done the Emirates for a match, Arsenal v Borough, and. Rushall Olympics just behind it I would say in terms of the catering oh, wonderful great things where was it the weekend before time with Kidderminster those cottage pies you yeah. two put on I, yes. I got hungry just looking at Twitter yeah £4.50 uh, wants to be nice but, um, <laughs> yeah so in terms of on the pitch moment, on the pitch moments yeah Spamer were 3-2 with Magic Salford 4-3 I mean, I'm going to say the same things you, you lads have said really because we've all shared the same brilliant times um, if you can call Whippy a moment I mean I, was, I, I look back um, I look back to Welling in 1990 which not all of our fans will have been at it was my first away game I was 12 I was 12 and we obviously it was the last game of the season in the conference and that's seen as one of the best uh, moments and so we've now had Welling Wembley and then Whitby so the three W's and they're all for me they're on a level they're on a par with each other they're never to be forgotten down moments which we'll talk about in 5, 10, 20 years time in the same way people talk about Welling people will talk about Whitby in time to come yeah I missed Whitby I was, in, I was on the other side of the world I set my, I've told you this before I set the alarm at 3 o'clock in the morning to listen to the second half I thought I can't get up any earlier than that and I was expecting to be on this tense nil-nil mm. need to win and I woke up it was 5-0 at half time I thought someone was winding me up honestly I couldn't believe I missed it but what a night that must have been to be out I was so disappointed to have missed it yeah, that was the one away game. I don't get to too many away games, but I sensed something was. Sen- I sensed something special was going to happen there, so I made, I made myself get to that one. And I remember saying to my mate just as it kicked off, "Our players are going to be out on their feet already. You know, they've played three games in five days or whatever. They just need to try and keep this tight and not do anything silly." And it, like, what within ten minutes we were, and within half an hour we were five nil up, and I'm just like, "Is this really happening?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I know one or two people on. Um 
the Evil Stick Facebook group kind of message after the game all whippy rolled over and don't think it was ever a case of that. I think I think you could have put virtually anybody in that division and possibly even teams above out on the pitch against us that night and I think we would have rolled them quite convincingly. It's just felt like it was going to happen didn't it there can't have been anyone left in Darlington that night either that's all I remember from yeah. I mean people who I didn't, I didn't even know went to the match everyone seemed to turn up in Whitby that night yeah, yeah brilliant there's a good line in the programme actually on Saturday Alan White uh, just briefly he uh, describing that night apparently the coaching staff had a meeting before the game what do we do uh, we need a plan B if you're not going well after 20 minutes what do we do we need a plan B after 20 minutes they're winning 5-0 so Martin Gray turns around and asks well, now what do we do then because <laughs> <laughs> you don't plan for that do you 5-0 after 20 minutes I think I think the only one the only one that I thought of that, that we've not mentioned was brought I think I did, I know, I don't think we did mention it the Bamber Bridge game in the playoff final I think for me was, was the one I was 10 I was Andy Simpson it was another good thing that he missed he was on a stag do when we hadn't been doing the radio very long at that point so I had all his gear and I didn't sleep the night before at all worried about whether it was all going to work whether I'd plug it all into the right thing and whether everyone would be able to listen and I think we had 1100 listeners or something from 30 countries or something but like you lads know I've never been able to set the gear up anyway so I was even more nervous that night but when Cartman stuck that first goal in I think for me that was that was the moment but some some good times and hopefully more of them to come this year so I think that's I think that's about it. I think I think well we've enjoyed that. We're yeah. remains to be seen whether anybody listening to it will enjoy it anyway. But thanks for listening if you've got this far. Uh which might just be my mum, to be honest. But anyway, if you've listened this far, thanks for listening to the first inaugural, in fact, Darlo Fans Radio podcast. Uh, we hope you've all enjoyed it and it's just brought something a little bit different. That's what we're trying to do, just bring something different that adds a little bit of something to the football club. So it'd be great to hear what you see and what you think. So if you want to get in touch, there's a few ways you can do it. You can tweet us at Darlow Fans Radio. You can contact us through the Facebook page. Or you can email us, if you want to, at darlowfans at gmail.com. And also, we've probably got a favour as well. If you can leave us a review on the podcast app that you're using and give us a rating, that'd be gratefully received as well. And, and let us know what you think. We'll try and uh, see if this works. If it works, we'll keep doing it. If it doesn't, we'll not. Um, thanks before we go to our friends here at the Forum Music Centre Darling which is another not for, not for profit social enterprise for the use of this studio Craig's took his coat off now so I think he's warmed up nicely uh, thanks to Tommy Wright and Alan White for their time with our interview and to all our listeners and uh, fellow media volunteers as well and, and last but not least thanks from me at least to all of this evening's panel to Mike, to Kev and to Craig. Uh, so I've been Stuart Armstrong and this has been the Darlow Fans Radio Podcast. <laughs>